0: So I don't I don't want to make my message today about what's going on in the election, even though I am talking about um, the answer is Jesus. Now I, I planned this weeks and weeks and weeks ago on what I was going to preach, and uh, not even really knowing that it was going to line up with what was happening in our in in our current situation, our culture, in our world, and. And our nation and what was going to take place. This has been long planned, and you can believe that if you want to. It's true, all right? And if you guys know me, I, I preach in series, and every November we preach on worship and the importance of worship. And, and instead of talking about the actual, actual practice of worship, we're going to talk about who we worship, Amen. right? The goodness of God. How many guys believe that God is good? Amen. He is always, always good, despite the situations and the things that are going on in our hearts and our lives, and, and um, he is just always, always good. So, but I don't want to make today's message about, but I am going to address what's happening with the election, some things like that. I feel it that it is something important that churches address to. If, if you've come here before, I'm sorry, i still fixing my microphone. If you've come here before for any amount of time, you know that, I'm, that we're not afraid to address things going on in our culture. Um, if if we can't have the word of God address what's happening currently, then we might as well not even believe in God. I mean, I believe that God is relevant for every single situation going on. And the word of God is never, uh, you know, um, I don't know if you guys caught that video of me rapping yeah. on Facebook. I'm glad you like that. <laughs> I... I uh, uh, I, I grew up on hip-hop music, okay? And uh, back in 1990, there was a song called uh, Suplex to Mind. Um, it's a Christian music, and uh, loved it. And, and that's where I got the term basic instructions before leaving Earth. That's the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. And, uh, and so it really is, the Word of God It's not just instructive, but it's for us to live by. And the Word of God addresses every current, every past, and every future situation that we're going to be dealing with as a country and as a nation Um, so I'm going to address this real quick and I'm going to read to you what I have written down here so I don't get uh, confused because I want to be as clear as I can on what's happening. Okay. All right. So we can either put our faith in man in the system, or we can put our faith in God. For some of us, the ticket you voted for, you either feel empowered by that or you feel powerless right now. You either feel I knew it, the last four years have been awful, or maybe some of us are feeling, I can't believe that there's fraud and cheating going on. And to be honest with you, it's all out on the table right now. Regardless of how we feel, I wanna encourage you this morning, do not get distracted. The kingdom of God is higher than all of the stuff happening right now. There's people to pray for, there's people to minister to, aside anything that is happening in our nation today. You see, when we get to heaven, Jesus isn't going to ask us who we voted for. You guys understand that, right? He's not going to say, did you vote this, per- this way or did you vote that way? He's really concerned about if you know him and if he knows you, that's going to be the deterrent. That's going to be the thing that matters most to Jesus when we get to heaven, according to Matthew chapter seven, because there's going to be a lot of people who are doing good things for Jesus and Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. We can do all the right things, but God can still have the possibility of not knowing us. How is that? How is that to be? Well, your heart has to be connected to him more than your works to do. Amen. I love you guys. Now, I don't want to seem that what's happening in our current nation right now doesn't matter because it does. Personally, life, freedom, liberty are at stake. Not just for right now, but for the future. However, there's a greater calling for our nation. How will we, as a church, rise up in the middle of the spiritual battle taking place? We can either side with the enemy and cause confusion and despair. Or we can bring life into the situations we are dealing with. What our city is dealing with. And with our country and what it's dealing with. You see, the devil isn't Republican. And he's not Democrat. And Jesus isn't either. There's a spiritual battle for our nation. And we wrestle not against flesh or blood. But against all the spirits and the principalities that tried to destroy us personally and nationally. I have my opinions. I have my thoughts, but much larger than that. If that's where I left it, I've missed the bigger picture. If all I care about is arguing and not loving, then I've stopped looking like Jesus. God is moving. Can you feel him? Can you sense him? Can you see the steps being laid out before you? Because the Bible says, your Bible says, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. Can we see the steps that are in front of us? See, if not, if we can't see those clearly, then I want to encourage you in all love and all grace that you repent and come to Jesus and realign your heart back towards him because it's not about right or left. It's about the king of kings always. I believe that God is not done with our nation. I refuse and I reject the ideas that the nation is in for it. I I reject those. Why? Because as long as I live in this country, God's not done. Why? Because I'm here to advance the kingdom of God, not advance my agenda. We as a church are here to advance the kingdom of God, not advance what we think is right. We're here to win souls, make disciples, cast out demons, raise the, raise the dead, do what the kingdom of God says we're supposed to do, rather than thinking what we should be doing. Something's been changing in our culture amongst the Christians and believers. I don't know if you can sense it or not, but we're actually coming back to, sorry, I get a little excited. We're actually coming back to the word. Hallelujah. We're coming back to the Bible. But let me tell you, that's a dangerous place to be because now we have a, a responsibility to align ourselves and that now is the standard. Right. If the signs, wonders, and miracles aren't falling, with we'll guys repent, come back to Jesus. Come back to the word. Because your Bible says and my Bible says that in these last days I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh and everyone is going to prophesy and the young men are going to dream dreams and we're going to see the kingdom of God move in a powerful way. We're not done yet. I don't care who's in office. I don't care who's not in office. That does not determine the kingdom of God moving and you and I have a responsibility and a privilege and an honor to represent the king well. And that's not even my message. Amen. But what I wanna do for the next 20 seconds, 30 seconds, just pray for our nation. We're just gonna pray that God move. How about you, man? If you've been in the stream before, you've heard this. Revival is coming. Revival is coming. Let me tell you something. Revival's here. Why? Because you are. Because Jesus is here, because he lives. He's taken his permanent location in you. (laughs) You've become the housing of the presence of God. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares about you. That's how much he trusts you. So let's pray for our nation. Can we do that? Let's just pray that God do what he wants to do. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray right now, Holy Spirit. Come on, church, pray with me right now. The Bible says, when you pray, say. We forget that word. We think mind prayers are going to do it. It doesn't. Let's pray and say at the same time, if you feel comfortable and good about this. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we just pray for our country. We pray that the kingdom of God would advance in a powerful way. That, Lord, the believers in the church would rise up more than than any other political party. God, that, Jesus, we would see what you're seeing. We would do what you're doing, God. We would feel what you're feeling. God, we would move according to the rhythms of your grace. God, we would move to where you're headed, Jesus. We don't want our agenda. We want yours. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we just pray and we speak. God, we declare right now the kingdom of God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven right now in Jesus' name. Say that with me. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One more time. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, not for my sake, not for the people's sake, but for your sake, God, that the gospel will be declared throughout our land in Jesus' name. Father, we bless you, we honor you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. Isn't that good? And so today, I want to talk to you about Jesus as the answer. I'm not going to take a lot of your time because I want to spend some time at the end. I'm going to tell you where we're going to end up. We're going to end up worshiping Jesus again. Oh, no, not worship again. <laughs> not anymore. I don't know about you, man. The Bible says forever we're going to do that in heaven, so we might as well just get used to it. So let's talk about Jesus as the answer. John chapter 10, verse 10 and 11. I want you to grab your Bibles. And, uh, and turn them there. Now, I've heard people say, if you don't have a Bible up there, you know, then you're not really preaching the word. I want you to know that I've got about 30,000 Bibles right here in my iPad, okay? <laughs> Today I'm reading out of the New King James Version. So it's legit. <laughs> my Jesus. John chapter 10, verse 10 and 11, it says this. The thief does not come to what? Steal. Kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it the more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Let me say this again. The thief does not come only, but he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. How many of you guys believe that in our current current time right now, situation in our culture, that there is some stealing and killing and destruction going on right now? That is the ultimate fingerprints of the enemy. We know the devil's at work when there's death, when there's robbing, and when there's destruction. But Jesus says in his word, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Not just life, hear me guys. Jesus didn't come just to give you life. He came to give you abundant life. Not just a little bit of life, but a whole lot of life. Turn, your, turn your buddy next to you and go, a whole lot of life. You got a whole lot of life. You got a whole lot of life. That's right. That's who you are because of who he is. See, many Christians think God causes or allows evil to take place so he can display his mercy. But that'd be like me breaking my child's arm. <laughs> and trust me, my son doesn't need another broken arm. <laughs> That'd be like me breaking Samuel's arm to show my ability to give him comfort, and then using my skills to reset the broken bone. When people think that Jesus causes things to happen so He can display His mercy, it's like thinking He's doing bad things so He can so so that way. It's like me breaking Samuel's arm. So oh, let me fix that for you. Let me comfort you and fix that. No, I want you guys to know something: that Jesus doesn't cause these things to take place. Sometimes the people of God come from out of his covering, and that's why sometimes things happen to us, but a lot of the times, a lot of things take place is because there is a real enemy willing to kill, steal, and destroy you. I would never give credit to the enemy, but we do need to understand and recognize that he is alive. Amen? He is alive, and the, the destruction of the enemy may come like a, like a roaring lion, like the Bible says. Come like a roaring lion. You know what that means, right? The roar of a lion for a lot of believers is simply a whisper in your ear to believe the lie that you can't be like Jesus. That's what the roar of a lion is. It's to lie to you, to say that you do not measure up, so you better grovel. I, you, I, want you to, I want you guys to know something this morning. Jesus has invited you to sit at the table with him. To come be with him because you are worthy, not because of you, not because of what you've done, not because of all the great things you've done. No, simply because you are his creation. You are his son. You are his daughter. And he loves you and he wants you to be with him all for eternity. Because I want you to know something this morning, that Jesus has never left you. He's never left you. All these things can happen in our lives. All these things can take place in our lives and in our hearts. All these things can happen. And there's some pretty bad stuff going on right now in our nation. But there's a lot of bad, bad stuff going on in the world. And not to compare, but I want you to know. That God's got this. He's got this. No matter what we go through church, He's there for us. You see, I'm reminded of the story of Job. Does anybody track with me on the story of Job? Job was a great man of God, full of faith. He had his issues. He's just a normal dude like me and you. Well, if you're not a dude, I'm a person. Sorry. (laughs) Right? (laughs) He's just a normal guy. Satan came to God. This is the uh, JIV version, the Jacob International version, okay? <laughs> Satan came to God and, uh, and asked him, can I, can I kill Job? And God says, no, you can't kill him. Satan asked, can I sift him like wheat? He said, absolutely. You can do anything you want to do to him because Job will never turn his back on me. See, people ask all the time, if, bad, if God doesn't cause bad things to happen, What about Job? And my response is, what about Jesus? Job provides the question. Jesus provides the answer. See, last week I had some test results for my kidney transplant. And I had a kidney transplant about 11 years ago. And once a year I get an annual checkup. They check out my blood work. By the way, I'm kicking on all cylinders. Right? I'm a 98% function. I'm happy about that. I got a really good friend who donated his kidney to me. He's awesome. He's doing well, too. And um, so I went to the uh, nephrologist this last week just to check in. And, and uh, he says, Jake, everything's really, really great. Um, um, yeah, I won't, say, I won't say the other thing he told me but because I'm working on it. And, um, <clears throat> and I've been going for 11 years now. And, and when I had my kidney transplant, um, Uh, 11 years ago, I remember asking God, why me? You guys ever asked God, why me before? Why am I going through this? You know, like, why is this going, why is this happening to my family? Why, why is this going down? You know, why is this happening? And I remember asking myself and asking God, why me? I, I stayed at the Mayo Clinic, Rochester, for about a month, maybe a month and a half. Is that right, Kristen? And, um, I stayed at this place called the transplant house and there was recovery and testing and blood work for the whole time. I remember having to wake up at five 30 in the morning and make it down there by six o'clock I Had a big tube coming out of my uh, heart. It was connected to my heart and it had like things like this all over the place where they can just do my lines real fast. And, and, uh, it was just crazy. <clears throat> and during that time I kept equating myself to Job. I kept saying, man, i Why is all this stuff happening to me? All the bad stuff. Now, when we look at the story of Job, Job actually dealt with a lot more than a kidney transplant, okay? He dealt with his whole family dying. He dealt with all kinds of stuff, his house falling on things. I mean, just crazy, crazy stuff. Satan really tried to get at him, to try to get him to turn his back on God. But let me tell you, Job had enough faith. And sometimes it doesn't take great faith. Sometimes it just takes mustard seed faith because that is great faith in the eyes of God. And he just said, God, I'm not going to turn my back on you. And I felt like Job. And I, I remember saying to myself, God, why? Why is this stuff happening? See, when you're in your deepest, darkest moments, you can easily begin to question God's concern over your life. And easily question the, is he there? Question that we all have from time to time. See, long story short, since I equated myself to Job, the Lord began to show me one of the reasons why all that stuff and all those things happened to Job. See, they weren't to test Job. They were there to prove Job. All those things didn't happen to test Job. All those things were there to prove Job. Remember, we are talking about the goodness of God. They were there to prove Job. You see, God allowed, not caused, not he allowed some things, some horrible things to happen to Job because God trusted Job so much that he knew that Job would never, ever turn his back on him. And I remember at 3 o'clock in the morning, see, when you're in the uh, kidney transplant center and you're staying at the transplant house, there's, it's full of people who are getting transplants. There was one 15-year-old girl there who had a double lung and a heart transplant all in the same time. From Italy, she flew from Italy to be there, and here I am whining and complaining, "Why God, and here's this 15 year old girl going, "Hey, man, I got a new two lungs and a new heart!" And I was just like, "You know, shut it." You don't know what I'm going through, right? Is't it funny how we easily compare and so... Let me just fix this real quick. I'm sorry, guys. I need to get one custom made for me. Anyway, moving on. I remember going through this and I said, God, why? What's happening? And God allowed all these things to Joe because he knew it never turned. And I remember saying, the Lord saying to me at three o'clock in the morning, sitting in a rocking chair outside the transplant house, listening to worship music, full disclosure, I was actually listening to reggae worship right here i am listening to worship three o'clock in the morning i'm asking god i'm having a conversation with him and very gently the holy spirit said to me jake i trust you that you will never turn your back on me and let me tell you what happened through the course of that when when the lord spoke that to me i turned from my whining to praise I turned my complaining now into compliment to Jesus. I turned, I turned my God's not here to God's always here because one word from the Lord changed my perspective. And I encourage you this morning that you're only one word away from God changing your life. You're only one word away from God grabbing a hold of your heart and changing the situation around for you. See, the story of Job is about holding to our faith in the midst of trials and seeing God restore everything brilliantly. And the brilliance is what I want to divert our attention to now instead of all the things that happened, because let's just face it, stuff happens in our lives, right? Stuff goes down, stuff takes place, things happen. But it doesn't mean that God can't take care of it. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want to take care of it. Yes, will you learn something? Of course you will. I came out of that situation with character, I came out of there with compassion. Before I went in for transplant, I had zero compassion for sick people. You know what I said? I said, it's because you don't have enough faith, a sick person, the reason why you're not healed. Let me just tell you, that's a wrong theology. God had to teach me. I'm not saying God caused it. I'm saying I learned. Praise God, I learned that. And maybe it took that to get this knucklehead to learn that it takes love to heal. See, there's no question that God can turn any situation around for his glory and for our benefit. This, of course, includes the most evil conditions known to humanity around the world. But that is the testimony of his greatness and his redemptive purpose. But it is not his design, it's not heaven's design. I believe that Jesus gave us all we needed to know about his design in John chapter 10, verse 10. I'll read it to you again. It says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. May have it more abundantly. See, it's not complicated. You want to see the footprints and notice the footprints of the enemy? Look for loss, death, and destruction. These are the things left behind when the devil has had influence in a given situation. In your life right now, if you want to see where we can pinpoint where the enemy has been, look for loss. Look for destruction. Look for death. I'm not talking about maybe a a death in 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 a person, but I'm talking about death in your heart, death in your soul, where you once had hope, but now that's done. Where you once had had a a brighter outlook on the things to come. But now that's been stripped away from you because we've settled for the lie that says this is just how it's going to be. See, as people of God, faith never denies a problem exists. It just denies that problem influence. Faith never denies a problem exists. It just denies that problem influence. You see, as normal human beings, we have a tendency to focus on the destruction, don't we? I used to be a janitor, believe it or not, back when I was in college, and we had, I had a boss, he was a great, great gentleman, loved him, he was a great guy, right? But he had a kind of a weird theology, and this is how bosses probably work. I would paint hallways, which by the way, you don't want me painting your hallway, Jared, don't hire me, okay? All right? I, I would paint <laughs> I would paint hallways, I would, I would sweep floors, I would wax floors. I'm a good waxer for floors, OK? And, and I would wax floors, I would clean up, I would clean up after lunch uh, things. I was trying to, uh, to work and get money for an engagement ring for Kristen. Oh. Maybe I'll work for you, sweetie. Brother. Right? So. This boss of mine would always come in and find all the bad things that I did rather than all the good things. I would, he would go, I would go, you know, I'm 20 years old and I go, I did so much work. Look, yeah, but you messed up here. 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 He always saw the negative things rather than the things that were good. And I, you know, and and now thinking about it, I go, man, what an awful way to live life. Not just in the work. I mean, I know we got to find things when you're working in a job. I get that. But what a way to live life. If that translated over life, we might as well just hang it up. Because let me just tell you, we'll always see the bad things that are going on rather than seeing Jesus in the middle of the bad. And what we need to do is realign and refocus. Listen, I refuse to react to the devil. I want to respond to the father. There's a difference. Reacting to the devil means I'm gonna go do something. Responding to the father says, Let me get in my secret place with him. Let me see what he's saying. Let me do what he's doing. Let me see what he's saying and let me walk that out. Let me walk it out. Yes, unfortunately, sometimes it takes a long time. But sometimes God speeds up the time and before you know it, miracles happen. That's what I like to think the miracle of water turning into wine. It wasn't that the water, God did a miracle. And turned it into wine. This is my take on it. Something for you to chew on. It was that God sped up time, and wine was produced. See how can we be influenced by the situations in our life? How does gaining a foothold that the enemy wants us to gain? How can that be put into our life? This is this is how we can know. That we've, that we've allowed ourselves to be influenced by the situation rather than being influenced by the presence of Jesus, we begin to say things like this. This is how it's going to be. I better just get used to it. This is how it's going to be. I better just get used to it. It's not going to change. Nothing's going to be different for me. This is just how it's going to be. So therefore you live with your sickness and claim it that it's yours. Therefore, you live with your depression and say, this is how it's going to be. You live with your anxiety and say, this is how it's going to be. You live with the lies that the enemy has spoken to you because you don't know anything differently. You haven't tasted yet the freedom that God has for us. So we just settle in, right? We get cozied up with the lie of the enemy, and we think that that's us. I'm here to tell you this morning that you are a brand new creation according to the word of God. You are a brand new person. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything, not just a little bit, everything becomes new. That's who you are. We're going to settle for this. Yeah, we're going to call the issues as they are. We recognize those issues exist. But the design of heaven is not for you just to recognize, but to pull down the stronghold and not just settle for what you're living in. Let me ask you this question. Artina, if you can come up. Let me ask you this question. Who are we? Who are we as believers? I believe the Lord right now, in this time, in this day and age, I'm here to tell you right now, get ready for 2021. It's going to be a new era. There's going to be something new popping. Sorry, I just got a little ghetto on you. There's going to be something new taking place. And your heart better be ready for it, all right? Because I believe the church is gonna finally understand who we are as the righteousness of Christ. We are the righteousness of Christ. I'm not talking about we're better than everybody, I'm talking about we're gonna take our stand and be confident Christ in us. It's about time that the church rise up and stand and live in the righteousness that God calls us, that we begin to preach the gospel. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. What are we going to do as a church? Are we going to just sit back and accept all the things that's happening in our country, in our nation, in our city, in our communities, in our families? And just say, that's how it's going to be. Not on my watch, and it shouldn't be on yours either. We are called for much greater than this. Why? Because his goodness lives in us. And when his goodness lives in us, we produce the life that's from us. The question is, are you producing life or are you producing death? Have we listened and submitted to the lies spoken to us by the enemy? The enemy is so sneaky. He'll come to you and say little things like this. You'll never be able to pray like that. And then you go, yeah, you'll never be able to do this. Or you're not as good as you think you are. Remember that time you messed up last week? See, your Bible says that the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. (laughs) Ha, Whenever you see accusation, you know that's the enemy speaking to you. The the Lord will never accuse you. He might convict you, but he'll never accuse you because he sees way down deep in your heart. So what are we going to do as a church? I'm refusing to settle and say this is how it's going to be. What I think we should do is we're going to look whatever that thing is right in the eye. Whatever's to come in our future. Whatever's to happen before the Lord returns, I don't care if it's the worst thing ever our country has ever experienced. What are we going to do? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to look that thing right in the eyes, and I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to come against it. I'm going to pull it down. By what? By worship, by prayer, and by living in the Word. And with as much faith as I can mustard up, You don't have to have big faith. You just have to have mustard seed faith. God calls your small faith big faith because any faith is big to God. With much that I have, when I'm feeling at my loneliest, when I'm feeling darkest, when I look around my country and I see it crumble, as much as I can muster up and say, God, this is what I have to offer. I'm going to say, God, this is it. God's going to take that and begin to expand it and grow and move and grow that. And let me just encourage you this morning. You might be in a place this morning, you say, I don't have enough faith. You can borrow some of mine. That's how important the body of Christ is. When we feel depleted, we must gather and connect. You see, the design of heaven is all about the abundance of life. And very briefly, I will do an in-depth study on this. But I want to give you the headlines because we can't forget what verse 11 says. It talks about how Jesus is the Good Shepherd. Is the Good Shepherd. So, what does a Good Shepherd do? Does anybody own sheep? Yeah. A party at Becker's house. We're going to cook that thing. Sorry, kids, I didn't mean to say that. I'm just playing. So what does a good shepherd do? Very briefly, here's the headlines. A good shepherd is a watchman, always watching out for the enemy against the flock. A good shepherd is a guard to protect and defend. A good shepherd is a guide. If I had sheep, Nate, if you have sheep, you can't say at three o'clock meet me out the water, But right? You got to lead it there. You got to say, come on. Right Then the sheep goes to where you go. That's what it's like with Jesus. He leads us into green pastures. Good shepherd is a physician, good doctor. He always takes time to care and restore our hearts and our souls and others. A good shepherd is a savior. He leaves the rest of the flock to find the one. good shepherd is a provider. He provides the food that we need and the nutrition that we need to move forward. See, the grass varies with seasons, right? And the shepherd knows the seasons and he's ever-changing the location of the flock. He says, guys, this grass isn't good here. Let's go this way. That's why the Bible says My sheep know me, and they know my voice. And lastly, the good shepherd is a lover. Somebody who loves the flock. Somebody who thinks of others first rather than themselves. And Jesus is the good shepherd. And right now, in the middle of the trial, in the middle of your circumstance, in the middle of your situation, Jesus is being the good shepherd. It was prophesied over me one time that I would be a shepherd with a staff because we also know that a good shepherd goes like this to get the sheep in line. And that's what Jesus does for us. Sometimes things happen we can straighten up according to his word and who he is. So what does the goodness to look like in the middle of the chaos? What does it look like? Let me tell you what it looks like. It looks like life, abundant life, because he is leading us through the seasons of our journey with him. He's leading us. And what I want to do to close today, like I said before, is I just felt this morning that some of us need to Find Jesus in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the distractions. We need to find Jesus in the middle of the business. We need to find Jesus in the middle of the questions that swirl around us and try to distract us. Your questions do not intimidate God. The Bible says you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Your questions are okay. But if we allow ourselves to stay there and not focus on the King of Kings, the answer we will miss him. He will walk by us and we won't recognize that he walked by us. So this morning, what I want us to do, and I really feel this strongly in my heart, is I just feel like some of us just need to realign. Let's forget about what's happening in our country. I'm going to end with this story. It was last Wednesday when I tweaked my ankle. <laughs> got up to go hunting. It's about four o'clock in the morning, which is a miracle in itself. It's about four o'clock in the morning. I uh, got up, got dressed, got ready to roll. Got to the truck in my garage and instantly felt the presence of Jesus in my truck. There's something about, I don't know if it's age. I don't know what it is. I'll be honest with you. I'm trying to figure it out. But it seems the older I get, the more sensitive I've become to the presence of God. And here I am, I get in my truck and it was like almost just boom, I knew Jesus wanted to meet with me. And from the time I left my garage to the place where I go hunt in a blind, it's about roughly 38 to 40 minutes. I sang songs, old songs that I grew up with. I wept like a baby. From the time that I left all the way to my blind to go hunt, no lie. And I'm just going, Jesus, what are you doing? He's like, you just needed to realign and remember that I'm here. Worship does that for us. I sing old songs like, I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord. I sing songs like, there is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. Oh, can you feel God right now? I don't mean to get emotional, but man, God wants us to focus. Because there's a greater calling for us and the answer is Jesus.